I, I don't think you'd be able to make friends with a giraffe anyway. Welcome to the Electronic Wireless Show, also known as Rock Paper Shotguns Gaming Podcast for people that like games. Episode 63. We've come so far, and yet still have so far to go. Uh, I'm Alice Bell, and joining me this week, as ever, is the lovely Brendy Caldwell. Hello. And the equally as lovely John Walker. Hello. How are you, John? I'm in grief. Why? What has happened? They've Google have announced they're killing Inbox, and I don't know how to cope. It just happened to me, and I'm trying to find anything that will let me turn off the number of unread emails, so I don't have to feel guilty about it. I'm so sorry to hear that, John. But apart from that, everything's fine. How are you, Brendy? I am good. I am good at nothing. Google hasn't killed anything that I love today. You're still not over the end of Google Wave, though. Ah, oh, what was that? <laughs> I can't even remember. It was another disaster. I don't. I don't care about Google as long as they keep. Uh, what's that one with the videos? The tube. The tube. Yeah, it's the one. As long as they keep that one, I'm fine. The videos tube. Yeah, as long as they keep video tube, uh, they can get rid of all the other letters of the alphabet. I won't care. Uh, I've, I had my, I'm in mourning because I had my, just my, my inner life just killed yesterday. Crikey. Because, yeah. because <laughs> uh, the, the toilet, the downstairs toilet in the house where I live exploded. <laughs> like, it's catastrophically, it itself was apocalyptic. It was like, However bad you think my downstairs bathroom looked, I promise you it was worse. Like yeah, The most terrifying thing is that Alice offered to send me a photo of her bathroom saying, you can't imagine how bad it is, I have to show you. And I'm like, no, no, I don't. If, I want if it's to worse see. than what I'm imagining, I, I don't want to see it. Send me a picture. <laughs> I, will, I will send it to you. I'll do it now. Hang on, I'll send it to you inside. It, honestly, it was... So I wasn't even there. So my initial reaction was just laughing hysterically because it my it happened while my housemate was there. Thankfully, he wasn't in the room, which would have been just very Traumatic. terrible for him. Traumatic, yeah. Um, but we had to get like a proper emergency cleaner, and he turned up in like a full, like hazmat suit. Yeah, like a kind of so scene of crime, like full thing. <laughs> Right, I am sending it to John there. Honestly, like the plumbers came back, not to do anything, but just to take a video. <laughs> <laughs> so bad, and my my poor housemate who was there by himself because the rest of us were out had to deal with it. Um, and now both toilets in the house are now blocked and not working. Oh my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> wow i know it's gone really high up like it hit the ceiling oh my god <laughs> you can see it's gone splat on the floor in the middle of the bathroom honestly it was just so bad and yeah we had to get a nice man to uh to come and and clean it so by the time i got home it was all cleaned and it was like it happened to someone else. So I still kind of think it's quite funny. <laughs> does, does, does it not smell still? There's not a pong. At the moment, we can only smell the really strong, like, chemical cleaning agent. 
Yeah, either either like my toilet exploded or I'm covering for the fact I murdered someone, basically. <laughs> That's all you can spell when you go in the house. What happened? Was it like was your plumbing system storing up poo for months? Kind of, yeah. Well, because the upstairs toilet um has been blocked for ages. Um and I don't know if like one of my housemates was secretly still using it or something, I don't know. But because it's right at the top of the house, um, we think probably like the pipes were a bit blocked further down and the blockage just went up and up until it properly blocked. And then the plumbers came around and they, they we think what happened is that they, they kind of pushed the blockage down but because the, the top bathroom is so high up, it travelled <laughs> down the system too fast. <laughs> And then broke free. <laughs> it made a bid to escape from our downstairs bathroom. It's free. I have a poopocalypse, poopocalypse story too. But yeah, that's the topic of the episode, right? Oh come on! I mean, come on! We need to talk about video games here at some point. People. This is better than stupid video games. <laughs> it turns out that when we had our extension done, a very dodgy plumber. Um, who our builder hired and will never hire again, dropped a bunch of shrapnel and bits and bobs into the drain and then didn't bother to clear them out. And then over the months since, all it turns out all of our poos were backing up against this until eventually it backflowed. And for some reason, our next door neighbour's house has a pipe running into our sewer outlet. Okay. Oh, no. It backed up through their pipe and came no. bubbled up through the floor of their kitchen. Oh no. no! Why? You delivered your poo to your neighbours into their kitchen. Oh. And they're so nice. And we didn't do anything wrong yet. We felt so ridiculously guilty because it was our poo in their kitchen. <laughs> and they just had their kitchen done like less than a year ago and it all has to be ripped up and... <laughs> Oh, it's awful. <laughs> oh, the apocalypse. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, that this the topic of our podcast today is apocalypses and the apocalypse and the post apocalypse. Not poo ones specifically. I guess <laughs> ones in games really. <laughs> but the poo ones are maybe more fun. I don't know. Brendan, do you have a favourite game apocalypse setting that can beat a poopocalypse? I'm reeling here. I can't think of a single video game anymore. My brain is just all poo. Um, Metro's good, isn't it? It's not got poo, though. <laughs> um, no, I like Metro because it is detailed and super atmospheric and really grimy and brown. And... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> And uh, it's like probably the best, one of the better examples of that style of uh, grim-faced video game where everything's quite dour and serious and awful, but it, it, it just does it very well. I never really got into it. So when you say it, it does it well, what, what do you mean? Like... <clears throat> I, I don't necessarily mean it does the story of post-apocalyptic survivors very well, because it's kind of trash. <laughs> uh, it's just about a man who fights mutants and has to stop some mutants doing something, but it turns out the mutants maybe aren't that bad. Oh no. Uh, <clears throat> and that's not, that's not super, you know, novel or anything. But the fact that it's, a, it's an on-reels shooter super linear both metro 2033 and metro last light they're just go from a to b and it's kind of, it's it's unashamed about that you know in, in a time whenever a lot of shooters were were or you know wanted to branch out or whatever it would just go it would just go for it it would just be no this is a literally unreal shooter you're sitting in mine carts half the time shooting things and the whole world just looks really nice. You get into these little hovels of human activity, like the stations that will be full of people and they'll be playing guitar or playing board games with each other or telling stories around a fire about what life was like before the apocalypse and stuff like that to children. And there's just all these little like details. It's also nice that the the bullets are the currency. 
so you can you can use these special bullets to do more damage to enemies or you can just be wise and kind of stockpile them and save them and use them to buy things when you get to the next like human settlement um which i think is is nice uh a nice touch so i i think it's just one of my examples probably not my favorite post-apocalypse but i think it's worth a mention Mm. it's i do like it when like post-apocalyptic settings actually show a bit of the post and like people living and doing stuff and like trying to sort of do stuff that you know that you'd recognize before like playing games and and stuff like that do they in in metro when they're talking about like how it was before is it like it, it's still it's recent enough that it's still accurate right like there's no kind of i can't remember exactly like what they talk about i can just remember people telling stories i think it's i'm not sure but i think it's stories that we already tell i'm not sure i think it's like i think it's like they're telling films or something <laughs> like they're telling stories that have happened in movies that we would just watch but they can't watch the movies so they're just telling the story of the movie star wars or something is that is from a different game uh, I mean, i'm thinking of something else I might be getting mixed up with a different post-apocalyptic game where they're telling about Star Wars, but uh, the readers will correct me if that's the case. Because I I like the idea of, like, you know, if there is an apocalypse, like, generations to come will not, like, get the facts right. And, you know, like, there'll be stories and legends based on... Like, I like the idea of, like, you know when, like, Bob Geldof... (laughs) <laughs> went after Nigel Farage on the Thames. I like the idea of that being like a, a hero myth. Go, yeah, like going <laughs> yeah, going down to history as like a hero myth and like every year they reenact it like we do with like Bonfire Night and stuff. Like <laughs> and that kind of thing. Because um, that's kind of in um the what was the video game that I played and it's got a duck with a top hat in it? Mutant, it mu- mutant, mutant Zero, Zero Dawn. That's mutant, mutant XCOM, XCOM mutants. Yeah, that one. Mutant Road to Road to Eden, Eden yeah. Zero, Mutant Year Zero, Road to Eden. That one. Yeah, there you go. Um, <laughs> in that, that it's a post-human society, and they find stuff like they find a boombox, and they're like, "Oh, this must have been some kind of explosive weapon," because it's called a boombox. Like that kind of thing, I think, is cool. Uh, John, have you got a a favourite or a, an apocalyptic setting you enjoy to offer? Uh, does the lo- long the long dark count? I think it does. Yeah. See, that's my sort of ideal. I I like many um, uh, misanthrope often like to imagine that I am the only person to survive the apocalypse, and then just rifling through people's drawers. And generally enjoying the peace and quiet sort of approach. I I once I've got this book idea. I'm going to write one day. Um, and oh, don't tell us. You'll never write it. No, I know. I've well, I've written the first few chapters. It's happening. Um, I'm going to finish it one day. But I, I before I wrote it, I asked a few people, "What would you? How would you feel if you were the very very last person left on Earth?" Um, and most people said they'd kill themselves. Hmm. Which I found interesting. So I'm going to ask you, Brendan, what would you do if you were the very last person left on Earth? Don't know. Probably go and chill out somewhere. I definitely wouldn't kill myself. I'd probably feel bad, but I wouldn't. I wouldn't go the suicide route. I'd maybe read a lot, or just. I don't know. I don't think I, it doesn't seem like too bad an existence to me, actually. <laughs> What about you, Alice? Yeah, I I definitely wouldn't kill myself. Um, it, like not just because I'm far too much of a coward uh, <laughs> to to be able to pull that off, but also, yeah, I just quite like being alone. It would get annoying because I'm not very practical, so I'd probably be very cold because I'd have to figure out how to light a fire. Um. And I'm quite lazy in terms, so I probably would die just through like <laughs> suicide by ineptitude. Yeah, exactly. But like, not on purpose. I'd just be really bad at survival. Um, would there be 
would there be animals in this scenario? Yes. Because you could make, I think you can make good companions out of animals. If you're, you know, you could be friends with a dog or a cat or a llama. You could be friends with a nice giraffe. Yeah. You know? How would you get, this This is the podcast I would rather be having than one about games. How would you get to Africa <laughs> after the apocalypse? No, you wouldn't giraffe. be friendly with a friendly African giraffe. Oh, you you'd go to a zoo. With a, oh. You'd be friendly with a nice zoo giraffe. Do you, you think there's enough reading material around to be able to operate a sizable boat on your own? Like, surely cruise ships are essentially like planes that drive themselves. I feel like you're just sourcing material for your novel now, rather than leaning into this experiment with us. No, I'm genuinely genuinely interested to know whether that's possible. Like, could Um, you get yourself to another country? No. I mean, you could probably learn by doing, like, driving a boat. You know? I mean, (laughs) Which boat is the easiest to drive? (laughs) (laughs) Um... I I don't think you'd be able to make friends with a giraffe anyway because like, <laughs> because cause zoo animals have all their food and stuff brought to them. So unless their cages were opened or they or, or like collapsed pretty quickly, they 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 probably wouldn't survive out of their natural habitat. No, they wouldn't, and neither would. Pets, like it's one of the things that would happen if all humans suddenly disappeared, is that every domestic cat would die. Oh, oh cats no, they'd be fine. Yeah, cats no, would, cats would no. eat you. It'd be fine. No, well, I mean, like how much of your body is left before they they run out of food? Like they can't even get outdoors if they're stuck inside. Like if if you just vanished, that's it. They're dead. Not if they got a cat flap. If you're a reasonable person. Uh, I guess I'm not. <laughs> um. <laughs> I think if I so I think the fairest thing to do in that situation would be to go to the zoo and just unlock all the cages and run, and then let's see all the animals eat each other. Yeah. So you'd unlock like the herbivores first, <laughs> and then <laughs> yeah, and then very tentatively and carefully the tigers and the lions and yeah, and then I mean. They'd eat you, so... Well, I'm being careful. I'm opening them with a big, long pole. Okay. Fair enough. And I'm wearing Last Man on Earth style, wearing loads of crazy armour. I'm wearing a suit of armour when I, I stole them from the Natural History Museum. You be able to run away from the bear whenever the bear comes to get you. That's right. Because I'll have broken into all the museums. I'll be... I'll have the Mona Lisa <laughs> uh, around my head. I've put my, pushed my face through where her face should be. Because <laughs> I can, they won't see you. Then the animals will just look at the Mona Lisa and go, "Oh, this is just Da Vinci's the Mona Lisa. This isn't a person." <laughs> That's right. Walk on. Perfect. They'll be too distracted by trying to fathom my mood. <laughs> Excellent brush strokes. Yeah, that's right. Anyway, on. so the long dark <laughs> is my answer <laughs> for that reason. Um, lovely. That was a good... I enjoyed that thoroughly. Thank you very much. <laughs> You're very welcome. Uh, I was going to say The Flame in the Flood, which I wrote about um, in a The Joy of, which I put, which Brendy has scheduled and put up this morning, I should say. Brendy works really hard doing all The Joy ofs. You mean like, The Have You Plaids? Oh, God, yeah. I don't know anything about our own website. Yeah, The Have You Plaids. Um, so I did a, a Have You Played... Uh, the flame in the flood because i really like the flame in the flood even though i am very bad at it i think it's really good um it's by the molasses flood which is one of those sort of you know when a, when like a, a big studio closes down or a bunch of people leave a big studio and, and form a sort of super group and um and make their own studio um and the molasses flood they are i think they're working as i don't know but the first game uh first and only so far is uh the flame in the flood and it's a survival game and i don't normally like survival games because they get a bit boring because you reach that point where you're like well i'm surviving now you know like i've got what else (laughs) i've got my farm and everything but um in the flame in the flood um it's it's obviously like a kind of global warming end of the world scenario because it like you're on this massive river that has f- flooded like a, a huge kind of 
bit of the of the United States and you're traveling down this big river and the only things left are little islands of you know maybe like a farm where someone lived or like a bit of wilderness that has a campsite or an old church or something um and but you can never stop at any of these places you have to keep moving down river because once you've used all the resources in the area they don't regenerate or anything you you just you have to keep going and keep going and keep going and keep going and so you never really feel properly safe and and you never you never really re- reach a point where you're like that's good I'm I've mastered this game now in in the same way as you might with with other survival games like I don't starve. Um, Are the little islands that you reach random? Do you get if you start a new game where you get new islands yeah. every time you die? Yeah, the river's different every time you play. Cool. Yeah, I found really it good. way too hard. Like the I just got eaten by wolves almost straight away every time I played. The wolves are pretty bad. Yeah, the wolves are pretty bad. I I ran away from the wolves a lot, um, until you get you can get like poisoned meat, and and make traps and stuff and like, um the the soundtrack's really good actually because it's all it's kind of um, synced with like, the the game so that when you're traveling down the river you'll get this song, or, or when you're like, exploring you'll get a slightly different one um and it works really really well. But it's just, it's you and you've got like a little dog and you're trying to sort of reach. There's a story where you're trying to reach the end of the river and there's also like an endless river mode as well. And it is, it is hard, but it just, it, it looks really nice and, and it, it, there's a nice kind of like more of a journey to feel to it and more of like, like that survival is like an ongoing thing. Did you ever reach the sea when you play it? Yes and no, like I don't. Well, it's been out years now, so like the the end game is like you do kind of come to the end of the river and you find, but More it's what it, yeah, <laughs> it and then it um becomes Waterworld and you meet Kevin Costner and uh yeah, um God that would be amazing. I wish they had done that. <laughs> we um, all know the best Waterworld game is Subnautica, so. <laughs> That's already done. Um, so there is like an end game where you sort of, yeah, you you sort of find yourself on on open water. Um, but it's I just really really love it, and I keep throwing myself at it because usually I never even reach really even the midpoint of the river. Like it's it's ridiculous, but I just keep trying again and again because it it just I think it also looks nice as well. It sort of looks like a storybook illustration almost, and you can kind of imagine. Um, you know, someone telling the story of surviving the river and stuff. Um, there's one of the devs has done a solo project called Kine, which is a, a puzzle game, like a 3D space puzzle game. Uh, that is not out yet, but it's on. You can have it, check it out on Steam, and it, uh, I played it at EGX. Um, and it's a puzzle game where you play as little instruments, like a set of drums and accordion. You have to move around this 3D space. It's really good. Uh. We should address the the giant Bethesda-shaped elephant in the room and ask each other how we feel about Fallout. Because it's out today. The new one. It is. I mean, it was supposed do, to be out it... at midnight today, but actually <laughs> accidentally was out yesterday. So, uh, Do any of us care for Fallout as an apocalyptic, post-apocalyptic world? No. (laughs) I don't know. I I never played the originals because they were more strategy than anything, so they're not really in my wheelhouse. That's right. Fair, is it? All that I turn- don't know. I never played them either. They were really oh. turn-based, and re- I tried to play them after the fact later on, and they were just too clunky and awkward. And I know that means that no mutants allowed will burn my house down. But um, yeah, they never really clicked for me. And then when so when Bethesda did their new Fallout, I thought, oh, it's it's good. I'd be interested to play it. And then I just absolutely didn't like it very much. Just found it, I don't know, annoying. Maybe you like it now that they've added other human beings to burn you your house down. I don't want other human beings in my apocalypses. 
oh yeah, you just want yeah. you and a nice. He's, he's made that very clear. <laughs> How dare you? I don't know. Um, I'm interested to play it. I like because I'm always. I always find with Bethesda games, I'm always interested in playing it for a good few hours and then just totally lose interest. That's all I've done with all of the the Elder Scrolls ones. It's had a jolly old time playing it for a bit, but they're not really don't not cared enough about anything to to persist. Mm. I really I, didn't like. What was the most recent f- proper Fallout? Four. Yeah, I really, really, really didn't like that. I played it as much as I could. The dog was the worst thing, and the you didn't whole... like dog meat. It didn't Everyone work. It meat. didn't work. It couldn't hunt for things. It was useless. I wrote a whole article on the site about how much I wanted to kill dog meat and how the game doesn't let you. I but mean, it's, it's not the, his the... fault that he's bad at it. But <laughs> <laughs> go away then. Don't want you around me. The Fallout companions are famously bad and annoying and get in the way all the time so i'm with you there plus it's um, just it was just there's too many it's just too clunky i wonder if that's going to be the case for 76 as well whether it's going to be too clunky they're so bad at interfaces i think i will find myself if i play any really missing vats which is the kind of auto-aiming thing that freezes you know kind of pauses the world and you get to yeah. like choose the piece of the body i really appreciated that because i am a lazy person i don't like aiming um but you can't do that in a multiplayer game obviously have they not thought of oh that's crazy they haven't thought of a way of implementing it no it it is there in a kind of reduced form Uh in almost uh, the way it's been explained is that it's there and you can do it it won't freeze time but it, you can select individual body parts and shoot at them, but then your gun kind of goes, is still centered and looking at a different place, and you can shoot, but the bullet will just magically kind of like go at a different angle that your gun is pointing. Um, so it, it feels really weird, or it looks like it feels really weird anyway. That's how all uh, gun based MMOs worked in the t- 2000s, in the early 2000s, with bendy bullets. It's well, we're going back to bendy bullets. There you go. I um, I I like kind of interested in it because I I do enjoy Fallout. Um, I think it's it, like the exploration stuff where you're just sort of wandering about on your own is really fun. But the problem is like that's sort of not the point of Fallout seventy six, I suppose, because you're. No. You're wandering about, but you're supposed to be doing it with other people, and other people are terrible. I'm with John, so <laughs> I I don't know. I I know Matthew Castle's been playing it as a solo player and just sort of occasionally teaming up with people to shoot a monster, and then they go their separate ways again. And he's I think he's sort of getting on with it fine that way. Um, it, yeah, I don't know, but I think I mean I I get the map is apparently very nice. It's the nicest it's been, which is something it's got trees and stuff that's nice um and hills um but i'm just yeah concerned especially because like that there, there are no npcs apart from robots and uh and matthew did a video like the whole point is that everyone's dead basically and you are the first people out of the vault uh and matthew did a video on rps's youtube the where he said like the best and worst bits of, of playing fallout 76 uh, and he pointed out that like a lot of the time the robots are like, can you help me find, you know, my human friend? And the answer is a foregone conclusion because you already <laughs> know everyone's dead. <laughs> so you just have to go find a corpse basically and go, look, he's dead. <laughs> <laughs> so How does it handle the fact? Because one of the other problems I have with a lot of post-apocalyptic fiction, especially TV shows, did you see that, that a few years ago BBC tried to do a remake of of the survivors and they had the, the, every town was like busy there were lines everywhere it was ridiculous <laughs> it wasn't post-apocalyptic at all how are they handling the fact that there's thousands of players running around a so-called end of the world well it's we've all been released from vault 76 so everyone running around the world has just come out of the vault is is the the idea i guess um but yeah i i don't know are they doing I think it? There is a there is a limit to the kind of amount of people that will be on the map with you. Oh, okay. 
So it won't be won't be everybody in the world. Oh, it'd be good if it was, though, wouldn't it? <laughs> just every fo- oh my god, I can imagine how chaotic it would be. Just, just everyone, millions and millions, all on the. Map. I would, <laughs> I'm listening to a, a podcast at the moment called. Um, uh, and sorry in advance, Brendan. I don't know if you have to bleep this or not, but it's called Behind the Bastards, and it's about like the the it delves kind of into the life of people that did terrible things and the reasons behind it and there was a soviet scientist um who w- became really buddy buddy with stalin and he based all his science basically on what sounded good for communist ideology so it's wow. all this, like they were trying to improve grain yields and he was like don't space out the seeds put as many seeds as possible together in fact in a hole because they won't fight each other for nutrients they they'll share Work it equally together amongst to each get other. To the light. Yeah, yeah, and in <laughs> fact, you know, some plants, if there's not enough food, will lay down their lives and add more nutrients to the soil to help their brother seeds. Solidarity among <laughs> trees. Okay. So maybe if you just pile as many players in Fallout seventy six as possible, it it will become good. They will work together for the greater good of making a a good game. <laughs> wow alright we'll I guess we'll have a proper review of it at some point yeah there's there is one in the works um, we're gonna have some cause we've we've got a couple of copies that we that we can play and like gonna have some impressions there are guides going up the video team have got stuff going up um, so we're gonna have some stuff about it but the the big review is coming but cause it's a big game we're gonna do take some time with it to make it a, a proper in-depth one um but yeah fallout 76 i mean the launch went well as i alluded to like they were doing their rolling launch thing but just as soon as it hit midnight in australia everyone could play the game (laughs) did that that crash the servers i think it was okay Um, i think i think there were problems alice o'connor our news person was saying it did cause problems, but they have since been fixed. Mm. Uh, she says so. That's impressive. This is the sort of game that should, by you know, all rights, crash under, crash and burn on launch, just because of the sheer volume of people who they can't possibly cope with. So that's mm. very impressive if they have, even after <laughs> accidentally giving it to them. I think it it was helped because I think one of the console, I think it was PlayStation worked properly, so um, the PlayStation players. It kind of went as intended, but it, I mean, it's still not as good as the game deleting itself for the beta. That's my favourite part that's ever happened. But just incredible scene. Um, but yeah, I get. Yeah, you know, I'm. I'm sure it'll do very well, but I just don't think it's for me. You know. Uh, any any more apocalypse games you want to throw in? Throw into the hat. Brandy. Can I? Oh, go on. Oh, Brett John, no, please. Well, no, I was gonna, I was gonna say, can I, can I say the apocalypse game I want rather than the one that exists? Yeah, why not? Throw want... all the rules. Is it you trying to learn how to pilot a boat, <laughs> and me. everyone else is dead? Me trying to drive the QM2 to America. <laughs> I believe that boat drivers love it when you say drive about boats. <laughs> You're right. Drive is so... more correct. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, you you fly a boat, don't you? <laughs> I believe so. So, uh, what I I would really like an apocalypse game that isn't about desperately struggling. So, um, the, if the world were to end in a sort of um, non-explodey way, then there'd be absolutely loads of food available to me. There's tins everywhere. I'd be good for 20 years without having to scramble every day and forage and all this sort of stuff. So I just like that game where... Here's my brilliant plan for this. Find another game where someone built loads of towns that you could explore and then license it, get rid of all the baddies and then just let you run around and just put loads of stuff to find everywhere. And it's just a game where you are the, the last person on Earth and you just get to sort of goof around. Just abundance. You want apocalypse yeah. with abundance. A genuine. I, they would be if you were the last person. There would be absolute abundance. And so, and so you could do things that would be quite cool. Like 
you know, you know, electricity is going to switch off pretty soon. Um, I think some estimates it last any time anywhere from three to seven days, um, with no one manning it. Um, and so, yeah, how what would you do about that? So my plan would be to go into a bunch of electronic stores, get all of their backup batteries, and just charge them. Take them all out of the boxes and charge them up. <laughs> Hundreds of them and just charge really them up. Really, a sustainable plan, is it? <laughs> What do you mean? I'm not worried about the coal depletion. I just mean I'd have tons of electricity. Uh, no, I mean I, I mean to charge those my phone. batteries themselves are going to run out at some point. No. Yes, but not immediately. So if I just did nothing, I'd have no electricity straight almost straight away. But this way, I'd have enough to keep my phone going, so I'd be able to see all my photographs of my loved ones. <laughs> And... I love that your phone is the one thing you want I to would. keep charged. I'd keep my phone because it's got all my games and it's got my photos. It's got all my, you know, my, not music anymore. I don't think Spotify would last long. Um, but I could download a whole bunch of music from off of things as MP3s. Onto you my could phone. go to uh, to Shoreditch and get a load of records as well. I could. I could pirate. I think with impunity at that point. I'd be able to pirate all the TV and movies and, and music I wanted and store it on hard drives that could be USB powered. So your plan, your plan is for the, a magic apocalypse in which all human beings vanish. Yeah. Well, with, well, without, without a trace. They, they, don't, they don't go through the apocalypse, but the apocalypse is going to be slow. It's going to be a slow burner. It's going to be loads of people. No, not mine. Not, I, I just wake up and everyone's gone. In mine, in my, my game, plan. in the game I'm describing, it's a game. Like, I'm allowed to choose anything I want. It's like it's like Home Alone and you're Macaulay Culkin <laughs> before the Wet Bandits show up. Do you know a lot of a lot of post-apocalyptic stuff doesn't deal with the dead bodies issue? Um, but if you read Stephen King's The Stand, it has huge hunt thousands and thousands of words devoted to this issue. Where they form a team of people whose job it is is to drive bulldozers and diggers and pile all the dead bodies into giant ditches. Oh, Blimey, that's rough. I know. Um, so if you if you want a, a post apocalypse that that actually notices the fact that billions of dead bodies would be a problem, that's the stand is a good one. My um my dad gave me the best advice for when the world ends, which is um rob a pharmacy. Uh, and I was like, why a pharmacy? Surely you're going to need food or whatever. And he said, no, because in a post-apocalyptic world where money doesn't really mean anything, pills are the smallest, lightest, easiest thing you can carry that will have the most value. Wow. So he was like, go to the pharmacy, get as much antibiotics as you can and anything else that you think will be useful and just make that your thing. Uh, and then I was like, well, yeah, that's a good plan. Uh, except you might get robbed and killed very easily for all the things you have. Does your dad have a bunker in his garden? Not a bunker, no. It it does sound like he's thought about this quite a lot, because that wouldn't have occurred to me unless his dad told him. Unless it's like a... <laughs> <laughs> this is a Going thing, all the way back a to secret past the invention of penicillin in the, in the Brendan family. <sighs> Um, my, my dad is, is very, he's not a prepper, but he probably would be if my mom was dead. <laughs> <You know? laughs> if he had to get obsessed with something else, he might become a prepper. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I can see that. Uh, my own, like, I'm probably going to die quite quickly in any apocalypse scenario because I'm I'm tremendously out of shape and I don't have any practical skills or knowledge really whatsoever um so my like my only hope of survival would be like finding my my brother because my younger brother is extremely practical and very strong and he sort of has to take care of me because we're related so <laughs> good plan yes yeah, so solid yeah, I'll just track down to Wiltshire. It'll be fine. Uh, what other are there other good apocalypse games? We should probably talk about Mad Max a bit because it's a good game. Yeah, Mad Max described as one of the best seven out of ten games. Exactly, Mad ever. Max made the makes the heinous crime of being a really good game that came out after everyone was already sick of it. 
So it's it's a it's essentially the Ubisoft model. It's a giant mess of icons on a map and lots of um bases to take over and stuff to upgrade and 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 secrets to find. So it's 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 very much mimicking Ubisoft's formula and it came out just at the point when everyone was really sick and tired of Ubisoft's formula. It doesn't do anything wrong. It really doesn't. But it, it yeah, it was it was just a bit there were too many things like it at the time. So it's quite good. I've been going back to play it for uh, for the site. And it's sort of entertaining, busy work. Um, doesn't feel particularly special. It's the only thing that makes it special is the fact that your car is your horse, I guess. Mm. As in you grow attached to your car and constantly upgrade it and, and tweak it and change it. Well, you don't. The mutant man who hooks everyone with you does that for you. Um... But it, yeah, and it still has that same problem of just feeling like it's if Ubisoft made a Mad Max game, except Ubisoft didn't make it. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's it's Avalanche, right? I'm trying. I can't even remember. Yeah, I want to say yeah. Which it makes it me photographs f- really well. It's very pretty, um, and the explosions are splendid. Um, but it just it just doesn't have anything that makes it completely unique and it also has the problem of coming out so close to fury road and not having anywhere near anything of fury road's brilliant reinvention of the form Mm. um which is a shame yeah because it it sort of has like batman's combat and and like ubisoft's like map clearing stuff yeah but it's it's yes it's not a bad game it just if it, I, if, I never like got that far into it. I, I played a couple hours of it, and yeah, I just didn't have a a, a hunger for it. it just kind of, like there were so many games that sort of scratched that itch already, and also yeah, no Furiosa. So what's the point, mate? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, yeah, it's it, it's it, it, and the fact that it's by Avalanche is problematic because you're thinking you guys have just cause in your brains. Where's the just cause gone? It doesn't have any of that sense of madcap ent- action. It's very stoic. And I know that Mad Max can be, but also it has it has space to go completely bonkers and just chooses not to. Because mm, it, it, like, it's a huge, like, it's a desert map, right? It's massive. Yeah. And there's, there, I guess there would be so much opportunity to do. I mean, one thing people did really like with the... the kind of car rig battle things that are sort of aping the those scenes in the movie a little bit mm. um where you kind of find a convoy and you you take out some some bad lads but it it just it didn't really seem to to do that very much and and the, like I just remember one bit that I found really boring because I, I had my little car and I had my dog and I had to go and like solemnly like I had to clear a minefield. By going very slowly around a bit of desert until my dog barked. And it was just really boring. And that was so that someone would be like, thank thank you, my territory is a bit safer now. They give you some scrap and some tokens. It doesn't have anything to say either, which is odd, considering. Yeah. I, I don't know. I just watched an amazing YouTube series on how Fury Road um, inverts every misogynistic trope of cinema. Um, it, it inverts even, and and so how brilliantly it plays with every archetype, every female movie archetype is reversed and given agency and power in, in Fury Road. That's really exciting and interesting. Um there's so much yeah. you can say. You can the game could. I would if I were making a Mad Max game. I would. I, I said this briefly to Alice on 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 Slack earlier that the 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 the, the issue of the way disability is used in in post apocalyptic fiction to display evilness. If you're a mutant, you're twisted and deformed. You're 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 a different shape to a, a standard human, and that means you're bad, or if not bad, then mad. And I think it'd be really interesting to explore that in a way to sort of that's a really potent area for self-analysis in that in that whole genre of saying, well, how, why are we, why are we demonizing 
deformity and difference in this really overtly awful way. Max is this sort of perfect platonic human archetype. He's this perfect human. He's in no way deformed. He's not. He's completely mad. Like. And, and he's sculpted and handsome and perfect, so therefore he's the goody. <laughs> Did you play Mad Max, Brendy? <clears throat> I didn't play Mad Max because I read all the things that you're talking about and I kind of don't have a appetite for a Mad Max game. I thought Fury Road was brilliant, but I... Um, I don't have an appetite for a Mad Max video game and I don't have an appetite very much for Ubisoft icon stuff. So I just left it to one side. I think what happens is I think that this is one of those things where games where games critics and, and normal humans have a bit of a, a language barrier, which is we end up playing a lot of these games. We end up playing, you know, all the Assassin's Creeds and the and the Far Cries and all these games and we we get worn out on this these ideas and when we play Mad Rocks, we go oh it's just this again whereas if you're a normal person who doesn't play everything um and, and Mad Max is the icon map game that you get first you're gonna think it's amazing and you're gonna think well, what is wrong with these critics this game is brilliant because it probably is it's just it was just too much of the same thing for for us weirdos yeah who be plast yeah, I think that there's a similar thing where like like with a, a massive like like an Ubisoft game that's like eighty hours long or something, when you're reviewing it you have to cane it. You yeah. have to like spend like eight eight to ten hours every day playing the game. Which I know oh oh, oh hard job. But it does mean that <laughs> you, it does mean that like it some aspects of it can feel heightened or more present to you as a reviewer. Like I like people will say um you know like people might find something grindy because they are having to do the same things over and over again because they're doing them over and over again for like 10 hours a day whereas if you're a normal human like when i play games normally and i'm not reviewing them i play for a couple of hours every night and then i'm tired and i have to go to bed and then i get up at 6 a.m to go to work so when i play games for like the joy of playing a game i do it i consume it in a completely different way to when i review it which is a whole other part of the discussion i guess but i think there's a, f- a reversal of that as well i found this with the red dead redemption reviews people who are paid to play <laughs> games full time are able to play red dead redemption i'm not paid to play that game because it's not on pc so i've tried to play it in my spare time but i don't have time i don't have time to play a million hour long game that gets really good once you get through the first 400,000 hours like oh i've just paid 50 pounds for this thing i just that feels like a burden in my life now i'm just going to yeah. occasionally try to drag myself a bit further through this to see if it actually ever gets any good because no one's paying me to do this yeah we've all, i i I think I said to you, you Brenda, you'd like we've all done sort of supporter posts on it. Matt, um, Matt Cox seems to be really enjoying it, and that might be because he's a child and so he just <laughs> can play. He doesn't have. He can play games however long he wants. But me, like Brenda and I, have been trying to play it as well, and and I think we're both just a bit bored. It's just um, I'm yeah. not so much bored of it. I find a lot of the kind of chores that you have to do in it annoying, but it's the controls that do me. I can't deal with a game that maps the look at button and aim a gun at button to the same button. Ugh. I just I just don't like that. And I yet, constantly Matt, kick people the on the ground. Different buttons. Yeah, there's three different ways to pick things up. Ugh. I mean, like, the, come on, guys, just pick a button, please. <laughs> I've kicked people on the ground instead of picking them up by accident and killed them and field missions because of that. It's like, there's just so much... The Red Dead Redemption, like I said it in one of the supporter posts that you're talking about, it's like, if anyone else had made that game other than Rockstar, it would have been called oh, an interesting failure, and people... It would have been like this kind of unrankable game that you would just say, wow, incredible world, but what the hell is it? Um, you probably wouldn't be able to recommend it to anyone for 50 quid uh but because rockstar made it it's like a flawed masterpiece it's just it's a brilliant game but you know Mm. it just takes some extra i don't know wherewithal to appreciate its brilliance and it's like no it doesn't take extra wherewithal change the (laughs) buttons please 10 out Um, of 10 10 out of i the 
the the best bit of writing in uh Red Dead Redemption 2 happened completely by accident for me and Rockstar didn't intend it but I decided to get some nice clothes so I went out and spent I went out to the big city and I spent over $200 getting Arthur a nice suit and then I stayed in a hotel and I noticed you could look in the mirror and I looked in the mirror after I'd spent like $250 on nice clothes and he did a bit of dialogue that he does anyway if you look in a mirror but it was just like oh, you're getting old and tired you're not fooling anyone and I like I liked <laughs> that I'd, he's, he was in the nicest most expensive clothes ever and was still really sad and that would have been brilliant if Rockstar had intended it but they didn't so <laughs> uh, we've gone off the rails here we should bring it back and see what our uh... I think to be honest we were off the rails the minute we started talking about poo explosions at the very start <laughs> of the podcast like this has been the most off topic podcast we've ever done this is my gift to the listener. Listen, if you had been in our bathroom when that happened, <laughs> you would have thought that it was very on on topic for an apocalypse. I wouldn't be here right now. I would be suffering in hospital with typhoid or something. Like... <laughs> Cholera. Um, oh, man. Uh, should we look at uh, what our lovely readers have been saying about Apocalypses? Apocalypti? I don't know. Yes, let's look at what the readers say. What have we got? Uh, A few people say Metro. Johnny Fuller on Twitter uh, has mentioned Metro as well. Uh, And uh, Asga on... uh, on Facebook, a lot of love for Metro. Uh, uh, someone said Borderlands. I don't know if Borderlands count. Is Borderlands post-apocalyptic? I'd say so. They're really um, kind of riffing on the Mad Max vibe. I feel. Who's whoever says chess every week said chess? Charles, yeah. back. Once the bombs drop, the fallout settles, and the networks all lie dead. These games will all be gone. The only thing you can count on to endure are physical. The survivors will all be playing chess with scavenged, <laughs> with scavenged substitutes as stand-ins for the pieces. Rat feet, <laughs> knuckle joints, bottle tops, etc. Uh, I... <laughs> Thank you, Charles. Thanks, Charles. That's my favourite. Um, what else have we got? A couple of people saying Paradigm, which I never got round to playing and now I think maybe I should have. What is Paradigm? It is a surreal adventure game set in a strange post-apocalyptic Eastern Europe country of Cruz. Play as the handsome mutant Paradigm, whose past comes back to haunt him in the form of a genetically engineered sloth that vomits candy. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah, I'm on board. Thank you, Jacob, for this for this synopsis. I should have played that for today, curses. What else have we got? Uh, a couple of people actually. So Heron Cryer uh, from US Gamer said Dragon Age Inquisition to take the mick out of me. But uh, someone called Jennifer on Twitter has also said Dragon Age Inquisition. And it's it sort of, yeah, it's kind of apocalyptic. I, n- come on now. Hi. Because of the big rift in the sky and the end of the world. Uh... And, then, and, then, and, and the guy's trying to end the world. And then also it sets... It sets the other games up for future apocalypses. I get it's a stretch, but uh, I'll stretch that far. Uh, Full Metal Jacket on Twitter said NEO Scavenger, which you've mentioned to me, Brendy. Ah, yes. NEO Scavenger is quality. It is a, a game where you... It's kind of a survival game. Rogue-like thing it's hard to describe you play a guy who wakes up in a kind of medical facility and you break out and there's a beast and you kind of escape from a beast and the rest of the game is just going from tile to tile clicking around trying to find plastic bags or new shoes or whatever but it's really bleak (laughs) but it's like very it's humorously bleak in that even the most uh basic fight you have with someone or like fist fight or struggle you have with another human is a complete shambles a complete mess like you drag each other down into the ground you have to swing each punch individually by clicking a little option 
they can grab you down you'll fall over you'll hit a rock when you fall you know they, they'll pick up a, a piece of wood that's nearby and start like hitting you in the shin you'll start bleeding from the shin you just, you're screaming it's just it's the it's the most messy kind of combat system that exists in video games uh and it, it's 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 wonderful it's clumsy and it's like a fight high fight with a a band that would actually go down in the post-apocalypse, i.e. not well. Um, yeah. Fights never go well in Neo Scavenger. Like, I've never had a game of Neo Scavenger where I, I've come out of a, a like a, a scuffle with another person or an animal or anything and thought, oh, good, you know, I've got X and Y, you know, I've got a new plastic bottle to put water in. No, I always come out thinking, why did I do that? My ankle is broken. <laughs> And he's still alive, but I can't do anything about it. And we've just run away from each other because we're both so hurt. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> um, it's it's excellent. It's really uh, it's really scrappy. It's a scrappy kind of post-apocalypse. So thank you, Durbast Show. Nerdy people play D and D. Has suggested very cleverly Saints Row Four, which does technically qualify. I guess it does, yeah. The beginning Why? of Saints because at the beginning of Saints Row, aliens blow up the whole planet Earth. Well, at the very beginning, you're the president of a, you're you're disarming a nuclear bomb while it flies through the sky, and then you land crashing through the roof of the White House into the president's chair. Whereupon you seem to then become the president of America as a consequence of that, and then aliens <laughs> blow up planet Earth. <laughs> but then, how are you? Because they, they, the aliens create a digital version, a digital version of the city that you're in, um, and then make you live digital lives inside it after you're all dead or something, and to punish you. Makes sense. It's absolutely, sense. utterly brilliant, and it has the best. I've said this so many times on RPS, but it bears repeating. It has the funniest joke in all of gaming history. At the end, during the credits, a joke that made me laugh until I, I was weeping copiously. My head was on the table. I physically hurt from laughing. It was so funny. <laughs> wow. Um, and I got. I eventually got to tell the person who wrote that joke about that, which was really nice. Oh, that is nice. Yeah. Tell someone every day that you appreciate their work, etc. Yeah. Um, a lot of people say Fallout New Vegas. Which famously, according uh, to Rock Paper Shotgun, it's not very good. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so those people are all wrong. Yeah, never uh, back down. They're all wrong. <laughs> we stand by Quinton forever. Uh, maybe on that note, <laughs> we should uh, say goodbye to the lovely listener. Um. Cool. Thank you for uh, for joining us on this uh, this wildly off topic apocalypse podcast, episode sixty three of the Electronic Wireless Show. Please rate us uh, and leave reviews because uh, it does help. Uh, I know everyone says that, but it's true. Um, and thank you to my wonderful co-hosts, uh, Brendy, Brendan Caldwell. Thank you. And to John Walker. Off topic apocalypse. <laughs> oh my goodness uh, don't forget to visit rockpapershotgun.com for all your PC gaming needs uh, and to check out the YouTube which is going from strength to strength which is youtube.com forward slash rockpapershot I believe uh, but until next week goodbye Bye. goodbye
Are you sure you don't want to see the picture, Brandy? Oh, uh, go on then. Um, there you go. Oh! 